I'm a huge believer of starting with yourself first Mm -hmm. and meaning what does community mean to you first? Like, what are those things that you're like, oh, this feels really good to me. I really like the way that this community works. First, starting with yourself as to what that is, because online, especially now, community can be many different things. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Elsie Escobar, director of community and content of Libsyn. Elsie is a die-hard podcast junkie who lives, breathes, and works the medium, and has since 2006. She was one of the first female indie podcasters using audio to teach yoga. Elsie's yoga class has now been downloaded over 4 million times. Elsie is currently the only female pundit in the podcasting space with expert insight into indie podcasters' impact, influence, and power. Her obsession for podcasting got her a job working with Libsyn, the leading podcast host and distribution network created, and has been with them since 2007. Elsie has had the pleasure of working with hundreds of podcasters, sharing tools for better production, and educating them in the fast-moving podcasting space, as well as cultivating a strongly engaged community through the feed, the official Libsyn podcast, which she both co-hosts and produces. The feed's sole focus is keeping people podcasting. Elsie currently works as the community manager for Libsyn, the largest podcast host and distribution network, hosting over 35,000 podcasters, including our show, The Midland Money Mindset. Elsie also co-runs the largest community for women in podcasting with a corresponding podcast, of course, called She Podcasts. Their sole mission is to empower women to continue to share their voices while creating a safe community of podcasting education and support. Elsie has grown with the space and gone from someone that had no idea what a digital recorder was or how to record anything to someone that currently offers advice to thousands of people a month. She is also the first Latina woman to be inducted into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame at Podcast Movement. Listen in for some great takeaways about the impact podcasting has had in the past, the present, and will in the future. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Elsie Escobar, the Director of Community and Content at Libsyn. And it's amazing to be here. We use Libsyn, so we're a client of theirs, and that's the platform we use. So thank you for joining us today, Elsie. You bet. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's great to be here. So listen, I want to share with our audience a little bit of background about you, and maybe you could give us your path to becoming 
the director of community and content at Libsyn. How did you get there? Oh my gosh, it's a long, windy road. <laughs> Aren't they all though? <laughs> Aren't they all? I know. I'm just going to cut it all the way to when I just got into podcasting as a whole. I started podcasting in July 2006. So I've been around for a long time doing this fun thing, getting behind the microphone and recording stuff. And at that time, I've always been one of those people that really likes to figure things out as they pertain to whatever it is that I want to do. And podcasting really just inspired me and got me incredibly fired up about the potential of this medium. I just dove in headfirst, trying to learn everything about it. I had zero idea as to what I was doing at all. And in the process of doing so, I also discovered, obviously, lots of podcasts, lots of podcasters, and a few of them that lived very close to where I lived at that time, which was Los Angeles. So I kind of started to participating in local podcaster meetups. I started to get to know what was going on in terms of the podcasting space. There was a little conference that was called the Podcasting and Portable Media Expo. And it was held in Ontario, California at that time. And so I went to this event and I was possibly one of the only women <laughs> at this event okay. and all, and let alone a woman who was podcasting about yoga, which was also <laughs> very strange and weird because that's what was my first podcast at that time. And I remember even just walking. I didn't even sign up to attend the conference. I just walked the show floor, if you will. And as I was walking the show floor, I got called in to be part of like a panel for women in podcasting because... There weren't many of us <laughs> walking around. And I had just started podcasting literally like two months before. So I was already part of this panel. In doing so, given the fact that I kind of stood out a little bit, I kind of got to be well-regarded in this space because the industry was so small, even at that time. Sure. And I got on a show called Podcast 411, which is hosted by Rob Walsh, who is the VP of Podcaster Relations at Lipson. When he interviewed me on his show, after we finished talking, he was like, we were just like sharing information that was a nod on the show. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be leaving Los Angeles. I'm doing a little bit of a life change, if you will. And he was like, oh, okay. And I go, hey, I don't even know if he said like he was looking for somebody to work with or if I said, hey, if something comes up in terms of podcasting, let me know. And he goes, oh, I might. Let's meet. And this is where the conference comes in. The Portable Media Expo conference comes in to the mix. And he's like, let's meet at Ontario and talk. And I was like, sure. okay. So I went and talked with him and he essentially offered me a job because he had just been hired at Libsyn himself and he was building a team. And I said, okay. It was kind of like one of those things where I came in as I was part of his podcaster relations team at that time. And I was just corresponding with podcasters back and forth, trying to get them not only obviously to host with Lipson, but really at that time, primarily, I was sort of managing the podcaster relations side when dealing with advertising campaigns and things like that. So there's an advertiser that comes in and they want to have, I don't know, 10 sports podcasts. Right. Can you like look at our database and see if you can find ones that fit? And then I started those communications with the podcasters. And so I did that for a while. And then in the process of me being there, I sort of took it upon myself to 
write a lot more stuff for the blog. I really started to run the social media accounts. I used to open up whatever new social media was going out there. And I was like, let's get Lipson in there. And I was doing a lot of really impromptu setup of what I didn't know at that time was essentially content management and social management and community management, which I naturally did. I didn't know that that was a thing. I was just very curious about all of the things that could happen. And since I was already corresponding so much at the beginning in podcasting, all of us were slightly on the nerdy side and were early adopters in all the things. So the podcasting space and the podcasting community was a very early adopter with Twitter specifically, lots of the other social media, even services that no longer exist, because there were used to be so many of them that used to be popping up all the time. We were all there. We were all communicating, all kinds of live streaming stuff way back in the day. All of us were live streaming things at that time too. So I already knew that that space was really vibrant. And I wanted to have Lipson on board most of the time. Again, just intuitive. Nobody told me to do these things. And uh, it escalated, I guess, if you will, now 16 years later, where I'm doing it as a because I've been doing it for so long. And it has a title. (laughs) It seems like you created your role almost over time just by doing what you were naturally thinking was the right thing to do and help Libsyn out and create that brand and marketing efforts. And it seems like you almost created that brand. So as somebody like yourself, who was, I think you're a very early adopter. I don't know that I even listened to podcasts or even knew about podcasts in 2006. So I really think that you're one of the pioneers and adopters of that medium. Why do you podcast? What was your why behind podcasting? When I first started, it really was because in my other life, I was an actor and I had acting training and I had been on stage primarily. That was where I cut my teeth, I guess, was on stage. And then I was in LA doing some film and television stuff. But whenever you do film and television, the majority of your time as an actor is spent as a non-working actor, right? You are always looking for jobs. And then you do whatever you can on the side to make money to survive. But it's really just a matter of going on auditions. You're not really actually ever working in this space. And I had never had that experience before because when I was on stage, I would do shows and shows used to take up anywhere from six weeks to two months. And you would be working on a project and you would stop and it was this constant thing that you were working in it. And then when I went to LA, that was not a thing. And so I felt very powerless and I didn't have a creative anything happening. You could do like auditions, but auditions are really just a second of your day, essentially. And you never get a chance to work. (laughs) And so when podcasting popped in, I thought, this is a great opportunity. I immediately thought I can create my own show. I can do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I started to think about like all of these wonderful new shows that I was going to be doing, but I had no idea how to do that. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to just start by recording things that I'm already doing. 
just to record because I've never recorded anything. And in doing so, I started recording the yoga podcast or a a yoga podcast because I was teaching. In addition to serving tables, I was also teaching yoga full time, essentially. And I thought, okay, I'll just record these classes because my students are always telling me, I wish I could take you with me. (laughs) And I thought, oh, this is an easy way for me to have them take me with them, right? So I did that. And it turns out when I started, nobody else was doing that. And I, again, called a little bit of attention to myself. And that show became kind of popular at that time. So the other shows, my ideas were like, I'll do that soon. I'll do that Mm. soon. I'll do that soon. And I never executed on all the fun things I wanted to do. <laughs> well, the yoga one seems like it was a big success. And then, yeah. and then I guess Lipson saw the success there that you were having and then they wanted it all for themselves. So it's, uh, <laughs> I guess it's a win-win, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in, I guess to answer your question, I started podcasting because it gave me a creative outlook or outlet, right. if you will, on the space. I didn't think of anything beyond, I just want to be creative and create stuff. I didn't have a long, I'm going to do this with it now. Yeah. I didn't have yeah, I that idea. I think it's a idea. great way for people to utilize it as that kind of outlet. And it doesn't have really a high barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. It's just really a time commitment, a little bit of equipment. And you could share what you're passionate about and also have a way to express yourself as well. Yeah, I think it's a great medium to do that. We've been a client of Libsyn for a while, right? And I know I have this question. I don't know if other people who use the platform do also, but what does that word mean? (laughs) (laughs) It means liberated syndication. So it's just a joining of those two words together. And back in the day, of course, I think one of the biggest barriers to entry for a lot of creators was not necessarily the fact that they could express themselves and have things to say, but it was the technical stuff, right? It was that thing of, I now have, I recorded my thing. How do I put this thing Mm -hmm. so that other people can consume it? And then when you figured that out, then you realized, oh my gosh, it's challenging to deliver that media to whoever wants to get it. Wow. That's something that we need to solve too. And then there was the other aspect, which was, what if you had that one piece of media and you put it up and then hundreds right of people at the same time right wanted to download right. or wanted to consume that media then it did weird things to mm-hmm. the place where it was being called from like all of these little bits you didn't even know existed and so the guys over at Lipson came up with this idea of being able to democratize the ability for that media to be accessed easily by the masses but also for you as a creator to not have to bear the burden of having to put that media somewhere that was yours because that bandwidth, that little bit of like people coming in and grabbing it and you putting it up there ended up being very expensive, especially at that time, hosting and hosting media, which is larger files. And then having other people try to grab it all at the same time, really just exponentially. It was just too much, too much money for somebody who's just trying to create a little like talking 
voice <laughs> for yeah. a little bit, well, right? We're, we're grateful what, for what yeah. you've done because you've made it super easy for us to basically distribute our content across multiple, if not all, platforms. So yeah. it's been definitely, and pun intended here, liberating for us to be able to uh, <laughs> do that over all these various method and means of people wanting to consume this and not hindering our already technological platform by getting jammed up with all these folks that are looking to listen to our show, which is hugely helpful. When you talked about your path to becoming the director of community and content for Libsyn, you talked about how your role had changed over the years, but what does your role entail today? What exactly are you doing on a day-to-day basis so our, our listeners have an understanding of that? There are a lot of moving pieces to this. So there is some of the basic stuff that now the role of director brings to the mix. And it's something that I'm still also working through because I am a doer by nature, meaning I am a creator at heart. I like to get my hands dirty. I like to do the things. I like to write the stuff because I'm also very adept at being able to create media in lots of different forms. So when somebody says like, hey, I need a graphic of some kind of like, oh, I could do that. (laughs) Or, hey, I need a voiceover. Oh, I can do that. I'm like one of those people who is like a Swiss army knife when it comes to creating content. But the role of director comes with a now management side of it. And it's something that I'm also like living into, if you will, because now my brain is the most important part of the reason that I have this title is because I do see how all the pieces fit. I do see how the story of the brand can get out there. I do instinctually know like, oh, we need to create a blog post about this or a video about this, or let's do a campaign around this, right? Like I can feel that. And I know enough about the industry as well as my passion for trends in the tech industry and marketing that I and social, like I know all of these things very deeply that I can kind of get a sense of like, oh, this is what's coming up next. Let's tap into that. Now, my job is to guide the team to be able to take on what the thematics are or the story that we're telling at any given time without me creating all of the things. And that's been a really hard transition because, again, I just want to do it. I'm only me, right? I can create either one video or I can delegate our ability for a team to create 10 videos and three blog posts and let's do this how to start a podcasting thing and let's talk about video podcasting here and what are we going to be talking about at the conference and can we have a meetup? So there's like so many different aspects to this and that is kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to guide the team to continue to create what I keep telling our team is helpful. It has to be helpful. It has to be something that somebody reads and immediately goes, oh, Wow, that was really helpful. Like, you know, I should be doing that. I should be. Yeah, 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 totally. So, listen, as a pioneer in the podcasting space, how have you seen the space transform over the years? And what do you think is the next for the podcast community? What do you see as the next big thing, if you will? Before it felt to me, I'm actually going to talk just from the independent side, and maybe I'll bring a layer into maybe more of the corporate side that has come into the scene, because that's one of the biggest things. But when I first started, we all had to learn almost everything. So when you were going to put a podcast out, it was essentially on you to 
record it, figure it out on your computers, find a way to get the stuff edited. Where do I put it? Like you figured out all the pieces, including publishing it onto a blog post or being able to get it out on social or download. I mean, all of the pieces, we all had to figure out how to do it. So almost everybody that was podcasting at that time had essentially about the same understanding of how to do all the bits. And if you didn't know how to do it, somebody could help you do it. So not as in like doing it for you, but going like, oh, you don't know how to edit this thing, how to duck music in your audio. This is how you do it. And then you go, oh, thanks. And then now you have that skill. What I have seen change now in terms of even just talking about those indie creators, the ones that really just want to make the things for themselves, is that there are more options to take that off of your plate. So people aren't starting from scratch, like making a cake there's a lot of boxed cakes now (laughs) where you can go buy the box. And if you don't want to make it from scratch, you can actually get the box. You can have the pre-mix, right? That's been a huge change. So there's a lot of people who are coming in where they know how to record their stuff, but they have zero idea what else is happening because a lot of- That's me. I I just record and then my team takes care of it. Yes, exactly. I'm in that boat. And again, there's no like bad stuff about that. It just means like there's less knowledge of all those things. And mind you, you obviously have other things that are more important to be taken care of, which is for a lot of us when we first started, this was our happy place. And we just wanted to do the thing like it was primarily our hobby. We wanted to have fun with it. We grew into how fun it was. And troubleshooting was actually part of the fun. But now there's a lot of people who are coming in there that are looking at the power of the medium itself and wanting to use that to grow, insert whatever else you're looking to do. It's like it enhances already existing ideas or builds on them versus just doing it for its own sake. Yeah, that's definitely a big change. And I I could see how that's kind of morphed. And there are certain instances we still find people, I've been guests on shows where they're still that involved person doing everything from Mm -hmm. beginning, middle and end. And then there are others that are just handing it off. So there's still that spectrum, which is good. It offers more ability to entry for those people that don't want to learn those skills and those people that want to and are interested in it, they can still participate as well too. So yeah, I've seen that. So I'd love to hear as the director of community, right? How does a podcast or host or somebody who has a podcast, how do they go about building a community around their show? Are there one or two good tips that you can give our listeners that would allow them to do that? One of the key things I feel in terms of building community around your show, I'm a huge believer of starting with yourself first Mm -hmm. and meaning what does community mean to you? First, like, what are those things that you're like, oh, this feels really good to me. I really like the way that this community works. First, starting with yourself as to what that is, because online, especially now, community can be many different things in the online space. But also to be able to see, like, what exactly is the service that the community provides. That's something that you really do need to answer for yourself. Just because you want community around your podcast doesn't mean that the community will come, especially if it's not solving a very specific 
issue or problem that they want to address. And it can be as simple as, I just want to find other people that are like me that want to talk about this one thing. That could be as simple as it is, right? But for some other communities, it can be a little bit more intricate. Like I know one of the other communities that I co-founded is She Podcasts. And one of the reasons that that community really grew is because at that time, there wasn't a space where women felt comfortable asking technical questions about podcasting stuff. Because in a lot of other communities, you would say like, oh, what mic should I use? And there was a lot of jargon that came back that was way too complicated <laughs> to, to understand too at that. complicated for me as well. Yeah, so right. I, I was there. I, yeah. I lived that too. Sure. And so it was too much. And so that space became a place where they could go, I don't know I'm not sure what a, a mic even is. You know, there, there was they felt okay asking those questions and getting the answers that worked for us given certain things. Like, I don't know how to record with my kid constantly coming into the room. I don't know how to record. I don't have a man cave, if you will. It was very gendered at the beginning, especially centering around those conversations. And it became a place where people felt it was solving the problem that they were having at that time. I don't know how to make this podcasting thing work as a woman. And it makes me feel comfortable that I'm having this conversation here. And you also podcast and my God, that's great. Right. right. So it solved that specific problem. And what we found is that that community really works the best when people can get immediate answers as in like, I'm looking for, a microphone that's less than $100. And then there's all these people that say, oh, here are all the things. And they're like, oh, thanks. Bye-bye. And they'll leave. (laughs) So is that the type of community that you want? Or there are other communities that are very much centered around the networking aspect of it, where they come together and they do events together and they get together and they do stuff. Or there's other communities that really exist just because they want to stay up to date on the latest and greatest around a subject. Is that the type of community you want? Or that's the stuff that your community is looking for? And also knowing, is it a fleeting type of a community? Like the first thing, and being a mom, this comes to mind a lot. When I first got pregnant with my first kid, I was really looking for information and community around being pregnant. For the first time, right? And that's when I was like all in on all of that stuff. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, is this normal? Like, there was all of that stuff. But then once I had my kid, I didn't want anything to do with being pregnant anymore, right? right? So I left. So is that the type of community you have? So you have to really think about what that is and then be able to provide solutions that answer that question for your community. Yeah, those are great points. Again, we talk a lot about on here, starting with the end in mind. So I -hmm. I think that's very similar is to figure out what you want first and then kind of back into how to grow that. One of the things that I find troubling sometimes is with guests, right? So sometimes it's hard to be a guest sometimes on some shows because I feel like I'm better than the host or sometimes it's guests come on our show and they're not used to being a guest. What do you think makes a good 
podcast guest? What are a couple of attributes that if you're going to be thinking about going on a show as a guest that you have to keep in mind during that opportunity or to be good, what does it take? That's a really curious question that you're putting to me because there's so many different layers to this. There's the layer of you taking onus, like as in like, I'm coming to your show and I have to be prepared, right? And then there is the other aspect of it as a producer of a show and how you can create the best show that you can, regardless of who the guest is, right? So there's those two sides of it. I think that one of the key things that I find in terms of bringing value to a podcast, especially if you haven't really done this, I've done this so many times that I don't really do a lot of this stuff. But when I first started, this was huge for me. And the number one thing is to listen to the podcasts you're going to be a guest on. (laughs) Like, you got to get an idea of the vibe of what they're doing. You got to get an idea of like the types of conversations that are interested to their audience. And the third thing that I think is super important is who is this podcast for? Because as a guest, being able to talk to the audience specifically is very important. Even if I'm not going like, hey, who's ever, I'm not actually talking to your audience, but really I am. And right. And so being understanding who the audience is, is great because then you as a guest will automatically bring valuable insight to who that is. So it does take a little bit of time to figure that stuff out. You've done that really well in terms of providing how to be prepared for the show. And I've seen people kind of push back a little bit on this and providing some questions to your guest, right? And so Mm -hmm. as a guest, you read those questions and you do your very best to prepare for them, but don't hold on to them. So don't think like, oh, Now I have to, like, this is the question that I'm going to be asked and I have to hold on. Just put your mind around those questions, but allow them to let go. Like if that question doesn't come. Organically just happen and have conversation about Yes, Yes, totally. And for some folks, it's a little bit more challenging to be able to do that. But if you write them down or like prepare yourself for it, That is enough because it's already going into your subconscious. You've done the work. You don't have to like read it word for word, right? So those are some things I think as a guest is very important. And lastly, to just understand that this is serious. And I'm saying serious, I guess, and not in the sense that like, it's not a phone call. And I think this is where I've been a little frustrated at times when like, I don't have a guest in my shows, like my shows are co-hosted, but there have been times when I have seen the lack of understanding of what you're actually doing. Like we are creating a piece of media and the quality, it's audio. You've got to make sure that you sound (laughs) good (laughs) as best as you can and put yourself in a position where you are in the best case scenario, given your circumstances and Mm -hmm. to be respectful of that. Those are great points. And I would say from a producer or somebody who runs a show, I think as a guest, I would say some things that you should be doing is preparing, Mm -hmm. sending out the expectations, where they need to go, what time, an overview of what's going to be talked about. Have a process, right, in place that you're going to be able to follow because it'll take that pressure off the guests because they'll know a little bit more of what to expect. 
I was just a guest on a podcast before I hopped on here, and I didn't even have the link of where I needed to go until 9.58, and we were hopping on at 10 a.m. Yeah. You know, that, to me, is not the way to do it because I'm wondering, well, is this happening today? I blocked out the time. So yeah. having that process in place and keeping people in the loop, I think, are key. And it makes for a much easier conversation because everybody has an idea of what's being expected. So what do you have for somebody who's listening to this, maybe a business owner, entrepreneur, just a creative who's thinking about, hey, maybe I should get into podcasting. I've heard a lot about it. What advice do you have for somebody who's thinking about getting into podcasting? Start with the end in mind in the same way that you were alluding to before, right? Because there are times where you could really start a podcast purely to network, with no outlook to have it be lead generation, no outlook for you to be selling your services, no outlook to have it be part of your marketing campaign. In fact, you really don't even care about how many people actually listen to the show. But for you to be able to create key relationships with folks in your industry and start to build like a library of content of people that you have gotten to record with, Mm-hmm. All of those things are really valuable because you get an opportunity, especially through this. I really love to see, I actually just talked about this in another conversation as well, that sometimes having this extra non-organic stuff around the conversation really forces a sense of focus on what you're talking about. So we have mics And currently, you know, maybe some people might see a little bit of this stuff. We have a camera and it forces people to get very, very focused in being able to have a conversation. And that really empowers you as a business owner to really amp up those skills of communicating who you are, guiding somebody else's conversation, becoming better at being able to articulate not only who you are, but how to engage other people with conversation with you. You can build a rapport. There's all of these extra bits Mm -hmm. that become so great. And you're then able to like now you know how you've connected with somebody else like face to face and through their voice. That to me is like something people often overlook versus the end product of the media itself. I love that you now have this library because I'm of the ilk of what you mentioned. We're not doing this with any specific monetary goal in mind or lead generation. I enjoy talking with people, and I think that we have some great conversations that I'm able to share with people. Mm -hmm. But one of the strategic byproducts of it has been now when I'm having a conversation with somebody else who may need help, like after this show, maybe somebody's asking me about podcasting. Well, now I have a medium that I could just basically email them, text them, send them a link to and say, hey, if you're thinking about it, here, listen to my conversation with Elsie from Libsyn and this might add a lot of value to you and and people find that very helpful. So let me ask you a question. You started in 2006, you're 16, 17 years into this journey in podcasting. What has this experience taught you thus far? Oh gosh, one of the biggest experiences that it's taught me is that Being able to get your hands in the mix, it can actually lead to almost anything, meaning in the same way that you kind of called out that you essentially cultivated your position, you created what your job is, essentially. I think, especially with tech, you can still do that because 
from moment to moment, things are changing all the time. And being able to have your hands, at least in the pulse of the way that people communicate and to be a little bit more open-minded at using new technologies can really shift the trajectory of whatever you view as your profession, as your ability to be of service in the world. Because even just being able to record, listen to my own voice, edit, have to write on social, like even if it was, you know, back in the day, 140 characters or less, it really forced me to be a better marketer, a better person and selling things, recognizing the path of a new, like a customer pathway that I hadn't known about before, simply from getting engaged with it. And then I found out that there were names for all of these things that I learned how to do, you know, and it came from engagement and seeing real life results versus from the outside in where somebody says like, now you need to build an opt-in for lead generation. I would have been like, what? Is that, (laughs) but then I realized as I was doing, oh, I'm already doing stuff like that. Okay, I get it. I see. Right. You just didn't know what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those are some great takeaways. And Elsie, it's been great having you on the show. We end each of our shows by asking our guests the same question because this is the Midland Money Mindset, and we (laughs) love joy here. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Oh my gosh. Well, mind you, we are talking early in the morning, right? So I do have my little morning rituals and it depends on what ritual it is. I love having my warm drink in the morning, whether it's coffee, because I love coffee, or sometimes I shift into, you know, hot water and whatnot. But like the morning time for me is so, so precious. Just being by myself without having to engage with other humans, being able to get up in the morning and do my thing is incredibly amazing. And I have found great joy in being able to use fountain pens and ink and paper stationery. Like those things can aesthetically bring me such joy and have been fundamental in being able to sort of like clear my head from all the digital tech stuff that I have to deal with on the daily. Having my pens near me, sometimes I'll just touch them and open them up and then like scribble and not even like write things that make any sense. Mm -hmm. I just want to use it and look at the pretty ink and that can aesthetic joy of being able to connect with something in the real world. It brings me joy daily. In all honesty, Amazing. it just I just like touch my notebooks because <laughs> I you, love do them. You have so. a, uh, do you have a favorite pen? A favorite pen right now? I actually do. It is the Twisby Diamond 580. Okay. And it is like one of those little pens that you like a vac filler. So you stick it in the ink and you turn it around and it just sucks the ink in there. And it's really cool because it's the Iris Twisby Diamond 580. So it's got like this sort of iridescent rainbow vibe to it. It's although it's totally clear. And then the nib has this little iridescent rainbow thing to it. It's so beautiful. And I love it. I'll have to check it out. I'm not a a pen enthusiast, but it sounds like a really nice pen. So I love it so much. It's so great. And my favorite inks are ones that like have shading to them. So like you write and then when you move the 
paper, you can see that they have different shades. And I go, how the heck they do that? I don't know. But it's so delightful to see. That might be a whole nother podcast. I know. (laughs) Totally. So Elsie, listen, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes. But if people want to learn more about you, learn more about Libsyn, what is the easiest and best place for them to do that? Oh my gosh, my podcast. I think if you listen to the feed, the official Lipson podcast, I co-host that show with Rob Walsh and we put it out two times a month. And also I think if you check out videos over on the YouTube channel for Lipson over at youtube.com slash Lipson, I do a lot of live events and I do a lot of videos there too, in addition to all of the other work that the team is doing. And I think that's one of the best ways to get to know us and Lipson. Uh Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for taking time out of your day, especially early in the morning with us and make it a great day. Thank you. I want to thank Elsie Escobar for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Elsie is a pioneer in the podcasting world and has been involved in some of its most explosive growth. The impact Elsie has had both individually and through her work at Libsyn has been immeasurable on the medium. Any person or business thinking about launching or improving their podcast should consider following Elsie and what she is doing, as it is certain to have a positive impact on your efforts. Elsie Escobar and Libsyn can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.